I'm so proud of you. You've come a long way since I found you that day by the lake. But can you keep your emotions in check long enough to take me on? Or will they get the better of you as always? I always told you, you'll be ready the day you can knock me down as yourself. This is that moment. This is that moment, Beers. Turn off the light show and prove, prove to me, you can beat me with that. I have nothing to prove to you. Hey guys, welcome back. We are now here for the Captain Marvel podcast. Um, I don't know how controversial it's going to be <laughs> to some parts of the fan base. We'll, we'll see um, how much negative feedback we get because this movie seems to get a lot of crap, sometimes for no reason, um, for some things. But what were your impressions, JJ, of Captain Marvel? First time I watched it, uh, it was. It became my least favorite Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Granted, that was a long time after I had watched Thor: The Dark World because mm-hmm. I've only seen Thor: The Dark World twice. The first time I watched it, and on this rewatch. Yeah. Um, however, this the second time I watched this movie, um, I liked it a whole lot more than I did the first time. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually really got a lot of substance, and some of the side characters make this movie really enjoyable yeah. this is one of this is my one of my favorite movies for samuel l jackson i love his comedic so- soft side of this movie. absolutely solid film um still not one of my favorite marvel movies it really isn't uh i probably won't watch it all too often mm-hmm. but it's not bad yeah agreed completely with what you said jj on all accounts there's problems i have with this movie but when people just say Oh, it's it. Nothing is good about this movie. I'm like, did you and I watch the same movie, or are you just hating just to hate on it? Because I feel like a lot of the time it gets too much hate. Um, I remember even before this movie came out, I remember kind of that you know the toxic male fan base. I mean, they because um, really that's the main people that trash on this movie are are men. Um, And um, I remember before the movie came out and, like, the poster for Captain Marvel came out and, like, most posters, really, I can't really think of a poster where uh, the character and characters in the poster are serious. And I remember the controversy that the Toxic fan base was like, oh, why isn't she smiling? Like, and they even kind of address, you know, that women should smile more in this movie, like that, that, you know, backwards... you know thing of like the sexist comments like that and like there were people there were men like saying toxic men like saying oh why doesn't she smile like you know these should be light-hearted she should smile more and then brie larson in response i remember posted posters where she put like smiles and like iron man and stuff on the posters like in response just to make fun of them and i i thought that was really really funny um Another aspect, too, that may have led into that, um, I know that they desexualized the uh, appearance oh, of yeah. the character quite a bit, too, which I think was a, a great direction to go. Um, I, I really liked the uh, the appearance of Captain Marvel. Um, 
and I think Brie Larson was great for the role. I liked the serious nature she took. Um, I loved that, like, the thing about smiling. Like, we had that that just dick of a biker guy. And, yeah. like, she took no shit from him. She was just like, screw you. Took his bike. <laughs> she was gone. Like, cool. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Um, now that we're on the topic of Brie Larson, um, yeah, I... And there's also some other things like she uh, defended the fact that against that toxic masculinity and to- toxic male fan base of like, um, you know, she said something when interviewed about it, like, well, if, you know, pe- if there's people mad about it, maybe this movie isn't for those. Uh, she said something along the lines of maybe this movie isn't for those toxic white men, because that's generally the people who would complain and she was right. And then everybody blew up about Brie Larson saying that. And it's like, she has a valid response and a valid point, And you guys are just proving her point more of, you know, I, I just Haters remember. Yeah, exactly. Like they were going to hate no matter what. And just people that JJ and I know still over hate this movie. I feel like, and completely take like Brie Larson's comments and, uh, things she says out of context um so in this movie um it's hard because i really i like some of the like some of brie larson's performance i think she does what she's supposed to do in the movie um i just think sometimes the directors and writers and uh didn't know 100 percent what to do with the character of carol danvers um Uh so that's kind of an issue and carol danvers is hard to uh have but are right because you know she is that superman type of just having the the power set um so it it is hard i understand that it's just like they definitely didn't know what to do and like having her like not remember you know her life and you know being brainwashed and then she's supposed to be she's told she can't have emotions but then she you know brie larson's trying to bring out those emotions and bring that snark out of carol danvers that she has that snarky personality as well and that i liked at points especially her relationship with nick fury with sam jackson and so it, it was hard it's just that you know they had conflicting ways they wanted to go about her character in the movie jake i completely agree with you um there were aspects i liked about this character and there were aspects I didn't like. It is not an understatement to say that Brie Larson's um, performance as this character was my least favorite part of the movie. Yeah. And nothing against Brie Larson as an actress. Uh, I think a lot of it was writing. Like they had this character who was trying to show emotion, but was also supposed to be emotionless. And it fell flat as just this arrogant, like delivering these cheap one line action things um i had a lot of the same problems that i have with black widow in infinity war Mm -hmm. um that being said like i was saying earlier i love the take no shit female character Mm -hmm. that that carol danvers is um i the backstory of like her them playing with her memories and everything Mm -hmm. that's a really interesting concept i like that plot development um but also, I don't like Superman characters. I, I really, really don't like them. Mm-hmm. Um, because it makes stakes really not have much value. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I get, I know they exist in comics and they have their place. I just, I think the way that they brought Captain Marvel into the MCU was really sloppily done. Mm -hmm. And she had very little utility to um, Endgame. And I, I don't think this was the time to do it. I really don't. Yeah, well, here's the other point to that. Um, a couple points, actually. So, uh, supposedly, she was... Carol Danvers, was uh, with a different actress, was supposed to appear in Age of Ultron and then got, you know, scrapped. And they were trying to... Also, I think we talked about this in way back with Yumi and Will, with Ike Perlmutter and not allowing... They were kind of diversity. They wanted to be more diverse. And Kevin Feige had to get Perlmutter out because he was being a, you know a bigot and so that was a problem that prevented captain marvel from happening much earlier and the other thing is that apparently that um they didn't even write her own th this movie until after brie larson filmed her stuff for endgame so okay. that is a reason why she didn't have much time in endgame i really think the russos and uh i believe the writers uh marcus and mcfeely i really think they did the best they could with what little information they had in that movie and they did the best they could using that character um cause, and also like making it so she wasn't like the sole we'll talk about that next week with endgame but she wasn't the sole reason why the avengers won in that movie so I'm going to dip into that just a little bit here, and then, yeah, we will save for Endgame. But see, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. to, to have your god character not be the god character, mm -hmm. why are they even in the film at all? Like, the things that she could do, she took out the ship all by herself, and mm -hmm. then, like, I don't know, the fight between her and Thanos, we'll get into that more with Endgame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we will. Um, anything else to say about Brie Larson as Carol Danvers in this movie? Yeah, I yeah I just think she gets a little too much hate, but I do think the writing in a direction was off, and that's going to affect the ranking. I think. Let's talk Sam Jackson uh, as Nick Fury, and I love that he's like way more naive now. He's he's younger. He's way more naive than he ever has been because he at this point he doesn't know about everything that's going on um, till this movie till Carol Danvers shows up. And I love their relationship together. Also, just like Nick Fury, aside from the one scene, which we'll get to shortly, um, aside from the one scene, I think he's amazing in this movie. Um, and the de-aging, I do want to mention, is one of the best de-aging things they've ever done in the MCU. Um, and I don't think that gets enough credit because that is something that is super hard to do to CGI an actor or actress and make them look younger. So... Yeah, the de-aging is absolutely amazing here. Mm -hmm. uh, it's amazing. I love the chemistry that Sam Jackson and Brie Larson have mm -hmm. uh, in this movie. Uh, he is by far my favorite part of this movie. Mm -hmm. And it, it's moments like where he breaks out into singing. <laughs> like, it just this lighthearted character who isn't in-your-face comedy like the Guardians or Ant-Man, it, it's such a stark contrast to what Nick Fury becomes later on in the MCU. Um, it's so, so wonderful. Um, and I am, if you'll let me, going to bring up that scene now. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so, I know a lot of people really hate that the Flurgan scratch is yep. how he loses his eye. Yeah. Because I trusted someone once. Like, I... 
for one, that's a really crappy way to bring that in for this character. Agreed. But for two, I cannot believe that he can go from this character to never trusting anyone else after this. Like, yeah. This thing that just happened with Coulson, he has to have trust in Coulson, like, before he becomes Colonel Nick Fury. I just, I, bah, they didn't know what to do with Fury. Like, they did a great job with him, but they didn't know how to transition him from here to what he is later. Right. I completely agreed. Um, you know, it's hard because then Winter, that you get that line in Winter Soldier of, I tr- last time I trusted somebody, I lost an eye, and... It's so weird why they made this decision. I honestly would have been fine if they just left out, left it a mystery in the MCU of how he lost his eye. I think that would have been even better, or way better, um, if that we didn't know how he lost his eye. He just lost it doing something badass like Nick Fury would do, uh, or what we thought he would do. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think it would have been much, much better much more well better what better received as well so i mean i otherwise i enjoy nick fury in this movie aside from that one scene but i i wish that they didn't put that in um other other tie-ins in this movie i was fine with aside from the you know losing his eye yeah everything else though like with him and colson both i loved i loved the backstory and i loved the the development we got in those characters even if colson we didn't get much from yeah, we'll talk about uh, Clark Gregg uh, here shortly towards the end of the cast assessment. Um, yeah, any anything else to say on Sam Jackson as Nick Fury? His, uh, his singing, that is my favorite moment. I do want to point out another line that I really, really liked. Uh, just the, do you know how to fly this thing? We'll see. That's a yes or no question. <laughs> yeah, um... Also, just him going through his, you know, him and, and Carol Danvers going over, like, um, uh, why they aren't scrolls, and you get that entire, that conversation was good, too. I can't eat toast if it's not cut in triangle. <laughs> or diagonally, yeah. Diagonally. <laughs> Which, people tried to point out that Age of Ultron, he, uh, I think it was, I think it was a cut in half, though, but I believe Age of Ultron, they tried to point out he almost cut his toast diagonally. But I I think it was cut uh, in half, so I don't think it counts. Although we do have people call him Nick in other MCU movies, so we do, yes. But maybe he changed that. Yeah, well, and I think he I think that's part. It's weird because like he doesn't trust people, but then I think he trusts Sir, like he trusts Maria Hill later on, who calls him Nick continuously. So um, I don't know. Maybe it's just certain people he. I don't know, but then he says his mom doesn't even call him Nick, so I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a little bit of a. Yeah, it, it's hard to write back or to back write uh, canon stuff. Yeah, I I think we should mention the '90s aesthetic of this film is still good. It's yeah, it's just hard to write. It, it's backwards. all in your face, though. Mm-hmm. The '90s stuff, like. Like, Blockbuster, like, yeah, that's 90s, but Blockbuster? Yeah, I mean, would you prefer Family Video now? I mean, they're gone now, too. Yeah. I mean, if, the, if it was, if this was set in the, in the modern day, it definitely would have been Family Video at this point. <laughs> I don't know. I, 
I think some of the 90s references are, are kind of fun, but and the music, I think, is, is fun to have just for that aesthetic, but... Yeah, the, the clothing, the costuming is done really well for that 90s aesthetic, too. Agreed. All right, let's talk Lashana Lynch as Maria Rambo. Um, I actually really like her friendship with Carol Danvers as well. I mean, I and I think I like... I don't want to make this sound like, you know, she she has that little, the trope of, like, the sassy black woman a little bit, um, which, I mean, is good, of course. Um, I just, you know, it's hard because it's like, you know, do you want them to just fit into the stereotype or, um, but still good. Yeah, I, I love their friendship. Um, it's a nice, powerful friendship between these two uh really strong women um i mean there's they work really well together on screen uh i love the relationship that uh carol has with maria's daughter too monica yep we'll probably talk about that in a moment too but like that whole dynamic there is just it's a nice little um i mean they are really kind of a family the three of them agreed and I like I said, I mean the sass is funny. Like don't get me wrong, I really do enjoy when like uh, we'll talk about Talos, but like when he comes in and like he's like um, when he calls Maria a young lady, and she's like, if you call me young lady again, I'm gonna put my foot somewhere where it's not supposed to be. And he's like, where would that be? <laughs> See, and, and normally I don't like that kind kind of comedy, but that works because he's an alien. Right. I wouldn't understand that reference. So I'm like, that's funny. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, no, I think the sass really works, though, because um, Carol is able to return that sass, too. Right. And, like, for both of them to be that way, it makes sense that they would connect so well. Right. I, yeah. I, I just didn't, I didn't want to make, what I was trying to say is, like, yeah, I didn't, I just didn't want them to group characters into the stereotypes, but sometimes not this movie but sometimes it doesn't exactly work well but um you know and um i don't think they should do that all the time obviously they should try you know because not all people are like that sorry i i don't (laughs) yeah um all right yeah monica rambo as well obviously josh gabe and i talked a lot about monica in wandavision um but this is her as a little girl akira akbar is the little girl that plays her and i i probably my favorite line for her is when she's like uh mom you have to go up to space um uh instead of watching fresh prince with me (laughs) um that was a really funny moment so i i enjoyed her and her being lieutenant trouble um as her nickname from uh carol so yeah good yeah, she's a cute little kid. Love seeing her on screen. Yeah, and just it's cool to go back now after watching WandaVision again. I've mentioned that throughout the rewatch since WandaVision ended. Like, it's cool going back and seeing the characters that that like the characters were gonna that were in the coming later again. So just like we talked about with Jimmy Woo in the last part. Um, all right, so then uh, let's talk uh, Ben Mendelsohn as Talos. Ben Mendelsohn is traditionally cast as the bad guy in a lot of movies, and so I loved the scroll twist of them turning out to not be bad because it broke the stereo- or the trope of Ben Mendelsohn being a villain 
Um, and I just really like him as Talos, and I, I'm glad that they're tying in the scrolls more now, and we're gonna get the show with him and Sam Jackson in uh, Secret Invasion, so I, I really enjoyed Talos. Yeah, um, I, I gotta say the bait and switch wasn't unexpected. That's fair. Uh, it wasn't, but, um, I, I do really like the way that they pull off Talos' character, Mm. and his tactfulness and how he approaches the rest of these characters once he realizes that they're on the same side. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Ben Mendelsohn does a really good job of uh, capturing that character and like all the aspects of what he's trying... Like He's trying to pull all these strings, and he's playing a very political game here. Um, I, I really like Talos. I, I think he's a great character. Yeah. I'm I'm just like, we're going to talk about the post-credits in Far From Home, too. But, I mean, just tying it in with that. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I have nothing negative to say. And I love that. I love when Ben Mendelsohn comes in, at, like, without all the makeup, like, as himself posing as Nick Fury's boss. Like, <laughs> that was really, really funny. Um, well, and, like, because then when he's posing as his boss, like, he does like he does a different voice when than when he's in his scroll form so like he drops the accent it seems right yeah he does so that that was a cool thing to notice um so yeah and like the scrolls like uh, shape-shifting is just a really really cool power and i'm glad they really showed that in this movie yeah, I, it has huge implications for the rest of the MCU. Yeah. It really does. And it has huge implications for potential retconning of a lot of things. Oh, um, yeah. That they could do should they want to. I hope they don't, but we'll see. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, scrolls are another huge mechanic in the comic world. Huge implications alongside the quantum realm. Like, these two things in these two movies... Yeah, I I don't think like the significance has quite impacted us yet. Right, but it, it it will like these things will come to fruition. Right, and I think that's another thing about them being so late in the Infinity Saga is they're really not only they're really setting it up for like Phase Four and so. Yeah, and it, it's good that they're doing it too. Like they're doing it in ways where it's kind of subtle, mm-hmm. even. Um, like the scrolls, like I'm saying, like, unless you are a comic book fan or you know anything about the comic book world, you don't know about the scrolls, you don't know about the secret wars, like, or secret invasion, I think is what it is. I'm not very versed on comics. Yeah, I believe in the comics it's called, I think it's called both in the comics, but the show is going to be called Secret Invasion, so. Gotcha. Or at least Secret Wars is in the comics, but yeah, yeah, they're going Secret Invasion for this. Um... Yeah, all right, and then we'll rank him later. Uh, Jude Law's Jan Rog. So, I, I Jude Law is also usually the nice guy, so that's kind of why, like, the bait and switch. You can say, it, like, yeah, it's, it was a little bit expected, kind of, but or you kind of see it coming as it went on, but also, like, you're getting Ben Mendelsohn and Jude Law to switch, like, from what they're used to playing, so that was kind of interesting. But it just, I don't know, it was probably the writing, because Jude Law's a good actor, but then it just, he just came kind of boring in one note, and it, 
And probably my favorite part is just him getting blasted by Carol at the end when she's like, I have nothing to prove to you. Like, I thought that was probably the best part for him. But, I mean, there was even a scene, I guess, that they cut of, like, so I, we can talk about the Supreme Intelligence uh, uh, just separately as well. But, like, there was a deleted scene where Jan Rog is, you get to see who he sees as in the Supreme Intelligence, and it's himself. And so that makes sense. That goes very well with his narcissistic personality. Right. And they cut it, the scene, and I'm and knowing that they had that scene, why didn't they put it in the movie? I I don't know. I think they should have put that in the movie, but to give a little bit more depth to his character, but it, overall he's just kind of a boring one-note character. So He's also super mansplainy. Yep. Um uh, especially at the beginning, like the plot exposition that he gives through the not using emotion and like to be a good warrior, like mm-hmm. that stuff comes off really poorly, which is what makes that moment at the end with Carol just blasting him so much more satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause he's not like, he's not a great villain even. He, he really isn't. Like, he has his own motivations, and mm-hmm. I get that, but you're right. He is kind of a one-note character. I, I don't like him that much. As much as I like Jude Law, I don't like Jan Rock. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I don't think he's going to go that high, so... No, I mean, he wasn't as terrible as some of the other um, characters that we've had. Like, I didn't actively hate the time that he was on screen. Mm-hmm. He just didn't add next to anything to this movie for me. Yeah. Definitely not. Um, Ronan would have been a better villain choice, in my opinion, since they even brought him in. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. Lee Pace comes back as Ronan the Accuser, set obviously before the events of Guardians of the Galaxy. I was so excited leading up to it that they revealed when Lee Pace was coming back as Ronan, because I'm like, yes, they're finally going to give some more development to this character that could have been even better. And then, no, they kind of waste him in a way. And it's it was so disappointing to me because they could have used him for some other stuff but it just felt wasted and even the lot his last line of like we're gonna come back for the weapon who or who and he's like the girl the woman and it's just like well we know that you're gonna go crazy and you're not gonna remember going for carol danvers later so you know i I don't know. They they just did a poor job kind of closing out Ronan at the end of this movie. I completely agree. It, it seemed pointless to include him mm-hmm. um, when this is how they were going to use him. Like, mm-hmm. he, he's not the only accuser. Mm-hmm. He isn't. Right. Use different accusers. This is one of those moments where, like, the connection just wasn't one that needed to be had. Similar mm-hmm. to uh, Fury losing his eye. This was not the time nor the place to do it, and it just fell flat. If you're not going to flesh it out fully, don't do it. Right. I yeah. It just came. Uh, I just came out of it disappointed as heck, and I. I don't know. I this was one part of the movie I was looking forward to and got utterly disappointed, and that hurts the rankings for this movie for me. So. Uh, on that note, though, I did like having Jaimin Hinsu. Yes, as, as Karath the Pursuer. Yes. Um, and I thought it was nice to see him, like, in a different setting as well. Um, yeah. I really liked that they brought Jaiman Hinsu back. Um, and just, like, I don't know. it. He had a little bit of humor. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. It Again, they didn't draw the connection between Korath joining Ronin. So that was also a little bit disappointing. Because, I mean, I 
I mean, I want to know, like, the obviously these two are both Cree, but, like, shouldn't they, you know, it would have been nice. Go ahead, sorry. It's good. Uh, it would have been nice to see them connect at the end and be, and then, you know, we see what happens going into Guardians. See, I'm kind of okay with him not having, like, them not having shown how he joins Ronan yet, mm-hmm. because this was in the 90s. Um, and there is a lot of time between this movie and Guardians. Mm-hmm. So, like, there is room for another Captain Marvel movie here. In fact, I would like another Captain Marvel movie. I want to see what she's been doing with her time. Right. Um, between then and now, why hasn't she shown up to Earth? Why didn't she show up to Earth when Loki invaded? Like, that is a Captain Marvel level threat. Right. It like, but... Apparently not an emergency. <laughs> not an emergency. Apparently. I mean, I guess Fury had that much confidence in the main six Avengers that... <laughs> yeah. Or they just hadn't written that part of the story yet. <laughs> right. That... <laughs> yep. Um, all right. And then, you know, we have a couple minor roles. Um, well, so you have Annette Benning here as Marvell or Wendy Lawson. Um... I would have liked to see maybe more of Marvel. Um, I thought it was weird then they had Annette Benning be like poses her as the supreme intelligence. That was a weird performance. Just I found it kind of odd. Um, I, I would I it made sense for her to be the one that Carol saw in there. It just was an odd performance. Um, and we just yeah yeah I didn't like the direction they took the supreme intelligence with her. She's too sassy and glib and I know. It didn't work. I did like Marvell. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like Supreme Intelligence Marvell. Yeah. So I, I I did like how they kind of how they kind of tied in like you know her being the one who was trying to help the scrolls with the light speed engine. I thought that was good. We just didn't see enough of her, unfortunately. Yep. So, and then uh, Gemma Chan as Minerva. We didn't really see much of her. Um, apparently, Gemma Chan is actually going to be a better role in the MCU. She's going to be in Eternals, apparently, in a different okay. as a different character. And I, I'm trying to remember. I've, I can't remember if this is like the first instance where an actor was someone else in the MCU and then they get recasted as a different character. I can't remember another instance of that. Um, there might be. I just can't remember off the top of my head. Are, are you looking at that up? Uh, I'm just looking at what else she's been in right now. Yeah. So, but as far as I know, she is going to be in Eternals. I can't remember which character she is, but she's obviously she's enough of a minor role that that Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios thought they could it be fine to just recast her as a different character. Yeah, and I mean that's fine. I mean. She yeah. wasn't a major character here, so... Yeah, so... Um, and then let's talk uh, Clark Gregg, of course, as Coulson. I just loved seeing Coulson again in, in, the M- in the MCU movies. I know we plugged Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on here before, but at whether that's... It's not a Marvel Studios thing, and so just seeing Coulson in another Marvel Studios... Uh, made project was cool to see and i think they did de-aging on clark greg a little bit too so yeah they did a little bit not as much though yeah Um, colson is an adorable human he really (laughs) is um he is one of my favorite characters in 
all of the Marvel properties, all of the the silver screen and television screen Marvel yeah. properties. Because, like I said, I'm not a huge uh, comic book person. Right. Um, but I, I'm really happy to have seen more of him, even if it was a little bit. And like the like, uh, I'm still here. <laughs> like that was great. <laughs> yeah, and just like we got to see him vouch for Fury and not go to turn him in made that decision and Fury being like, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't hate me yet. And, you know, he made a hard call. Sometimes you have to do that. So it was cool. Um, so I, I like that they did that. All right. I believe that's all the cast for this one, um, that we've talked about. Um, Stanley cameo. We technically have two. We have the MCU, uh, Marvel Studios intro with all the Stanley cameos. This was the first MCU movie after Stan passed. Um, so I remember going to see this initially with my dad and it was a very good thing to see, um, them incorporate that as, and obviously with Black Panther, they just changed it to Chadwick, um, similarly. So, um, yeah, those were both very touching moments. Absolutely. So it it's crazy that, you know, they it's crazy how they're able to incorporate both of them into like these the Marvel Studios fanfare and like it's it's cool. Um uh and then and then the second cameo is of course him reading the Mallrats script which came out in the 90s and uh him trying to read his lines and then Carol pulling down the script and Stan just giving that smile and Carol like she shouldn't know who this is, but she gives, like, that half-smile, like, she knows something outside of the universe. Yeah, I like that, like, almost fourth-wall break. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like the way that Stan Lee, like, works as this kind of god-creator character through his cameos. Right, Watcher Informant, yep. Yep. I mean, he's not officially been confirmed as the Watcher. I would like to believe that he is the Watcher, or the or, like some extension of the watcher but yeah i think i think he's like the informant that goes and tells the watchers what is going on i believe that's what they've confirmed but oh have they okay i believe so i believe that's the purpose of what the guardians 2 cameo was with him talking to the watchers because he was he he said in that cameo like he was talking about him being the federal express man in civil war and so like it i think that that's what they've confirmed so Gotcha. But it's it's cool. Um, and also, like, with the Mallrats script reading, like, uh, Kevin Smith, I believe, who was the director of that, and he's, like, a major... You know who Kevin Smith is, right? Yeah. Major major comic book dude and, uh, you know, does the stuff Jay and Silent Bob and that kind of thing. And he saw this and broke down crying. Um, so that... It was a huge moment for Kevin Smith. Um to see Stan reading a script for his movie. So, um, that's really nice. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, Kevin Smith is really, really cool by the way too. So I, I don't know. He's one of those comic book, uh, nerds that just loves everything about comic books and comic book movies. And it's great. So, all right. Um, post credits, our first post credit leading right into Endgame. We've made it to this point. Uh, Carol shows up, uh, after they retrieve the pager from where Fury was, and they're like, oh, we don't know what's on the other side of this, we should reactivate it, and then Carol shows up right behind as Black Widow turns around and says, where's Fury? I love that they had this finishing touch leading right into Endgame, so. 
Yeah, um, it, it was a nice moment. Um, that's about all I got on that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's cool. We're, but now we know we're there. We've made it through all these podcasts to get to Endgame. So it's it's very fun to know that we've made it through to this. Um, and then second one is Goose pu- pukes up the Tesseract. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's just a fun little gag <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> I'm going to steal uh, a thought from uh, the CinemaSins YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, but he, the guy there said, like, how much funnier would it have been if we hadn't seen the Flurgan eat the Tesseract? Mm-hmm. And then we still got that post credit scene. And you, the audience was left wondering, how the heck did it get there? <laughs> that would have been good, actually. Yeah, that, that probably would have made the gag better. I won't lie. <laughs> but, um, it was, and Goose the Cat, I guess technically he's a member of the cast. I mean, that, that's a Top Gun reference, obviously, that they made. Uh, right, of course. Um, so that was a cool reference, and, um, I, yeah, him being, them actually pulling from the comics and making him a flurkin, like, actually going that route was really, really cool to see. So. Um, I believe in the comics, his name is actually Chewy, which, like, Chewbacca, which is kind of, I believe, um, which is a cool, another cool reference within the comics, I think. Okay. Um, or they could have just named him Chewy, but I, I feel like that's a reference to Chewbacca, but depends on, I, I would assume, because, like, Star Wars was out in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s, I mean, I feel like that's probably around when they created, uh... Carol Danvers and, um, all right. And then, uh, other Easter eggs, uh, the Fonz lunchbox that they put the Tesseract in another major nineties reference. Um, and then like the pinball machine and all that. Um, uh, obviously the Avengers initiative, um, we get to see how that was created and Carol Danvers being the Avenger. Um, so I, I was fine with that tie-in. I think it, I thought it was cool. And we obviously know Captain America was the first, like, first Avenger, at least of, like, any superhero to come about. But it, it makes sense for Fury to name the Avengers after Carol Danvers, I guess. Yeah. I, it does. But I feel like there were a couple moments that felt really shoehorned, that being one of them. The other being... Um, like Fury's calling Marvel Marvel. Yeah. Like, like really, the like that was already there. Marvel is already very clearly Marvel. Yeah, that I think it's funny. Um, I I think also like I think that was a way of like making Carol Danvers' name Captain Marvel because it wasn't at, like actually outwardly said, and we then find out later in the MCU that she's called Captain Marvel at that point. But I think I think it was a way of saying that was her superhero name without stating yeah. it. Yeah. So probably. Um and then, you know, uh 90s music we said that um Yeah, Marvelettes, we got Hannibal Lecter reference when they put the little mask on Goose. Um Yeah. Oh, did you want to talk about you wanted to talk about like the just the Tesseract in this movie itself. Yeah. So, like, having a, um, having a tie-in to the Infinity Stones 
as the power core for the Lightspeed engine makes sense. And like having one of the Infinity Stones be the source of Carol Danvers' powers Mm -hmm. also makes sense. Because Mm -hmm. you look at a character like Scarlet Witch, who is by far one of the most powerful characters in the MCU, her powers come from the Infinity Stones. Right. But the Tesseract has been done to death at this point. I'm like, did it have to be the Tesseract? Did it have to be? Right. I understand that. It's been in, obviously, yeah, I... It's been on a lot of movies in the MCU, so yeah. When I saw it in the theater, I'm like, they just did the Tesseract again. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, my thoughts on it are that. I mean, it's there again. Um, all right, so let's get to our rankings, unless you have anything else you want. You had any other Easter eggs? or? Nope. All right. Jan Rog, I'm giving him a 2.8. He's one note. I think he belongs in that camp of with Tyler Hayward, but above like Malekith and Hammer and Sonny Birch. I think he fits up above there. Um, so I'm perfectly fine with him going around that point. If he's a little bit higher for you, then that's fine too. I mean, I, I think we're probably on the same page roughly with Jan Rog. Yeah, I'm only placing him slightly higher than you. Mm-hmm. Um, and... That's mostly because I like he was a he was a decent antagonist. I just like the biggest thing is he was like the mansplaining point that I was talking about. Like that really puts him down far for me. So I'm going with a three point one. Okay. He's not the worst villain, but right. He's not great. Right. Okay. Three point one plus two point eight. Oh. That'll put him above uh, the guy from the last movie whose name I'm blanking on right now. Tyler Hayward from WandaVision? Not Tyler Hayward. Uh, uh, Sonny Birch. Sonny Birch, thank you. Yes, so he is currently in... He is uh, below Whiplash and his bird. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. I, so he is in the bottom five. Below Whiplash makes sense, but like I agree with him being pretty low. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It just I feel like some if the writing were better. Um, but we'll talk about that right now for Captain Marvel. So I still enjoyed parts of this movie. I think we've talked about the good scenes. I don't want to overhate on this movie because it's not that bad. It's nowhere near. I think. I think it is. For me, I think it's better than Dark World, Incredible Hulk, and Iron Man 2. I think it's on par with probably the first Thor, so that's probably around where I would put Captain Marvel. Um, I'm giving it a 3.7, um, so I it's good, but for the flaws we've mentioned, um, it just the writing and direction was off. I believe they're going with a new director for Captain Marvel 2, which makes sense. I think Nia DaCosta's the director's name, so uh, also the first uh, I think uh, black woman to direct an MCU movie, so that's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah. I, 3.7. Well, we agreed on a ranking. I'm also giving it a 3.7. Um, Dang. It, it was an okay movie. It really was okay, but like, if the lead character is what I like least about the movie. 
there's a problem. Yeah. Um, and like some of the some of the side characters are really nice. Like I love Nick Fury here. Um, some of the other mo- like some individual moments are great, but overall, like how did she even get her powers? She absorbed a power core, but how? How did she do that? This is her origin story, and I don't understand her origin. I don't know. Uh, it's not the cleanest origin story but i'm not you know sometimes origin stories fall flat i think uh her the sequel hopefully will be a lot better and i think it will be i mean we're gonna get monica grown up in that movie uh so you know tied uh coming in from wandavision and we're gonna get uh who and monica uh spoiler uh monica has her powers from wandavision already so that won't have to be explained um, well, it might be her powers might be explained in more detail, but we won't have to get an origin story for Monica's powers. What I will say though is that Captain Marvel definitely had an interesting plotline. Yeah, I I agree, and I think it definitely deserves to be where it is, which is it is below the first Thor and above Incredible Hulk. Okay. So that that's exactly where I said I would probably put it. So. That seems pretty fair to me. Yeah. So I think, yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, in my overall rankings, yeah, that's exactly what I have. So, all right. We are 21 movies down. WandaVision's complete. Falcon and Winter Soldier's in the process. Next week, Endgame. Uh, we're finally there. Um, crazy to think that we started with Yumi and Will and we're already on to Endgame. Unfortunately, Will couldn't finish with us. I think... When Will gets back, I'll probably do, like, a review podcast with him to talk about what he missed, um, because I do want him to be able to finish in some way um, the journey that we started together, so... Um, Makes sense. So, um, but I, 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 I'm interested to hear Will's takes on the stuff that he missed, for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, Endgame with Josh and Gabe. Uh, it's going to be an exciting time. I... It probably will take a long time, just like Infinity War, but I guess we won't have nearly as many character arcs to talk about, um, because most of the characters we talked about in Infinity War are dusted up until the last hour of the movie, or last 45 minutes, so, um, so, yeah, we won't have as many characters to talk about, but I think we can definitely have, we'll probably have some sections discussing, like, the portal scene, and, and Captain America lifting Mjolnir, and we'll probably talk about the time travel, so, I mean, there's definitely discussion points. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, and where will Endgame rank? It seems like it won't rank above Black Panther. I think Black Panther might end up being the best MCU movie. Um, but we'll see where what Josh and Gabe think and whether... I, I don't think it's going to go above a 5.93, though. I think Black Panther is pretty set in that spot, so... Yeah, I think I'm probably going to be the outlier in my appreciation of Endgame. There were a lot of moments I liked, but a lot of it, to me, fell flat. We'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, But I I definitely think it'll be top five, if not that, top seven. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. I I think the payoff of that movie, and we'll talk about it next week, and honestly, the best theater experience I've ever had, and you, me, and Gabe, and Josh will all get to talk about our experiences since three of us were all in the same theater on that on premiere night, and Josh saw it on the same night as well, so I mean, we'll definitely have a lot to say with that. Um, anything else before we close it out? Nah. <laughs> all right. 
So we'll see you guys next week for more Falcon and Winter Soldier and Avengers Endgame on Tribe of Nerds.